Welcome everybody to another Rip Roar edition of Thug Crowd. Uh, I'm your host here, you. Do you want to go down the list here and uh, introduce ourselves? Starting with you, Skid. Yeah, hey, what's up? I'm Skid. I'm a Rails developer with uh, interest in InfoSec. How you doing? Doing great. Duskyus, you want to uh, unmute for a second and say hi? I don't think so. If not, it's fine. Oh, darn. Well, just leave it to me. Hi, I'm If Not Pike, also known as Not Pike, also Pike. I'm a green dog on the intertubes. Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> Hi, Jan. Nice to meet you again. Also, leading into Jen. Well, no, that was my, that was my thing. Thanks for running it, Pike. <clears throat> Oh, come on. Jane, go ahead. Introduce yourself. All right, that's Jim. Moving okay. on. Okay. Old guy interested in InfoSec. Hi, I'm uh, Solid. Uh, I'm an independent security what? researcher. We're going what? down a line. God. <sighs> Lines? Why, this is why we can't have nice things. Well, it's going to be that kind of party on MG. Who's that line? Yeah, the order is different on the different clients. It's not always in the same order. As it the should, it oh, should be in alphabetical order. Well, it's not, dude. So, um, I'm Faith Penetration Tester from uh, South Africa. I'm, uh, I'm Dr. Phil, and I'm here to change your life. Um, I'm a security <laughs> researcher. And uh, I, uh, yeah. Research security. Hey, Dr. Phil. Uh, Zodak, uh, Visual Basic 6 expert. Uh, hello, my name is Andrew, and I don't know how to read. Should I introduce myself? Or, uh... And also, hi, Nux. Oh, yeah, I'm Nux. Hi. <laughs> hey next. All right. So we've had a, a quite a busy week with, with Can we talk about how you never introduces himself? I said I'm you. He is you. But who's you? Then who's me? Who's you? Uh I'm just a person with a computer. Well <laughs> uh when we get into the news we have quite a bit of story. Uh, a lot of stories that have been um, carefully curated by our pals here. Um, I guess we could start from the top of our list here. Uh, that was hackers leave the U.S. flag um, in some Cisco switches in Russia and Iran. Did you guys see uh, the screenshots of this? Yeah, just straight up ASCII art America going on right there. <laughs> it's honestly pretty amazing. I like. Uh, I think that it's. I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting to see that people are that 
that's what they would put up, you know, saying like, don't mess with our elections on, on some switches. It's like, you know, not the typical target that you'd normally put on there. Um, has anybody heard anything about who actually did this or there's a GHT? Do you know if they're like a state run thing or I don't even know. It just seems interesting that there'd be people that would be like hacktivists that would be also just round for America. Oh, so yeah. America is doing this. It wasn't Russia that act. What? I mean, putting up an American flag, I think uh, that probably means I'm not American. I mean, that's that's my first thought. Yeah, it's kind of like and a I, false flag. Yeah, it's a false flag. flag and all that. I, I think it might be a, an example of you know, attribution kind of being a joke here. Uh, we really have no idea who did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, JHT might be American, but uh, there was also discussion within the article in news uh, stating that there was also another group uh, called Dragonfly, uh, which might have been Russian sponsor, uh, sponsored, uh, according to a U.S. cert. Uh, Kihu uh, also said that uh, there was... Uh, oh, uh, there was a... Uh, link to uh, public tools on GitHub in relevance to this attack. So they, they left some uh, public keys, uh, some private keys on GitHub for uh, attribution later, delayed date. Excellent. So maybe it was, in that case, uh, leaving tools on GitHub and things like that, maybe it was just some some real, quote, hacktivists, unquote. Yeah, it's just interesting to see that that sort of thing you know because i mean there's people obviously a lot of talk about state state sponsored stuff and then you know there's people that are also pretty pissed off about certain things that come from their country and it just seems interesting that you're just kind of go with that whole america fuck yeah sort of vibe while you're also <laughs> ios and stuff it'd be funny if we got arrested when in doubt it's a russian psychological operation <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a good point there. When in doubt, it is a Russian psychological warfare thing. We're just trying to actually build a little bit of discord between the groups. So, did you guys also hear about the next one, which is that Twitter's taken down some other, like, 270,000 terrorist links accounts, and they have apparently some internal tools that are flagging these things. It's interesting, because there's, there's, you know, Twitter's gone through a bunch of different sort of bans and, um, and like, massive waves of of uh, suspending accounts and things, but it's kind of interesting in the wake of a lot of other stuff, as far as uh, like Facebook and other social media platforms that are starting to trying to curtail sort of radical stuff like that. Um, you know how they're actually doing it, and it's, it's interesting just how they're classifying stuff and how they're um, understanding like the, the really nuanced communications that a lot of people have um, to be able to detect, you know, a, a quarter of a million over a quarter of a million accounts. Yeah, it's, do you know like uh, what kind of terrorist cells they were targeting? Or is it just like generic terrorism? Um, there wasn't anything specifically said that they were targeted, but I mean, I would, I mean, yeah, it just actually just said terrorism, not any, you know, like Islamic or white nationalist or anything um, specifically mentioned, but anything that would be, I guess, related to terror or terrorism um, has been taken off the platform, a bunch of different things. Well, it's uh, it makes me think of uh, some YouTube content that I've seen, which is um, the quote "good guys" unquote in Syria, 
um, who are driving around on, on motorcycles with AKs and they're wearing uh, uh, bandanas with, with, with Arabic. It's, every, everything's in Arabic and, and they're all sort of saying God is great before they go out, but it turns out that these guys are anti-ISIS. Look, but as 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 a as a person who who doesn't speak Arabic, I, I'm nowhere near the situation. I, it's really hard to know um, are these guys ISIS or not ISIS driving around shooting people. Like I have no idea. Um, and you know, so when it comes to filters, when you're talking about filters of like filtering content, looking for key phrases, things like that. Um, from an American company, how, like, are they going to just generically ban stuff that contains keywords or whatever, or have they got some supercomputer AI that is just beyond, you know, what we're talking about? Well, I feel, uh, I feel, I feel like they wouldn't. I, I've um, heard according a bit according to the data, I was going to say that, uh, uh, 74% uh, of the accounts were taken down before a first post was even made. Yeah, probably going just by affiliation of previous uh, accounts before, you know, like IP blocks and stuff like that, where it's just like, oh, hey, this dude is actually trying to do this before, and they're like, eh, no, don't do this one. Or they just, like, follow, like, 70 different Islamic terrorist cells. Yeah, well, it also... I think it does beg the question of, of those uh, over a quarter million of accounts, uh, is it I doubt it's that many people actually doing it. It's probably a handful of individuals using some sort of program to automate the generation of those accounts. And I would be really interested in knowing exactly what percentage of Twitter's user base is actually just bots. I mean, there are 330 million total accounts. Um, it, it also reminds me a little bit of uh, during Gamergate, if you recall, um, Randy Harper, FreeBSD girl, she has a nice encyclopedia dramatic you can go read, wrote that uh, Gamergate block list uh, in, um, in in Perl. And uh, it, it basically, basically followed, uh, sorry, it, it's, uh, it blocked you if you followed certain people but just sort of like, it, it was pretty arbitrary the way that it worked, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like they're just going to ban radicalism. Yeah, and but it's back to the topic. I mean, what's radical? Like a tiki torch, alt-right guys, are they, are they included? You know? Yeah, I mean, they should be if it's, you know, because I mean, terrorism can be on any level, right? It can be like both sides. It's probably better to think of terrorism as more of a tactic to persuade people in time of war, you know, pretty much strike fear into civilians so they actually push for political change. Calling it kind of a group is kind of not doing it justice. Also, isn't the structure of the terrorist cells, isn't, doesn't it have like a good, well, not a good amount of OPSEC, but a nice degree of OPSEC such that it would be impossible to get all of them. I think compartmentalization is supposed to be a very uh, important factor in a being a cell um, in itself. Yeah. Look at the stock when they announced this. This could just have been like a publicity thing to like raise their shares. Yeah, they actually just banned all the bots that uh, DM you nudes and try and get you into cam girl shows. 
Yeah, like the one with. Might the- even start pushing for no more nudes anymore because those new rules about punishing uh, host providers for what content their users put on it. Yeah, that was actually um, part of our main topic for later. So, get into. Oh shit! More. Sorry, I goofed. Oh, it's okay. We can totally just shelve it. But a lot of the stuff does relate to it because we have, you know, it's a pretty broad topic, but it's becoming more and more of an issue. Um, so yeah, while we're at a good point here, let's uh, get on to the next thing. Do you guys hear about the customer uh, data, or the bank card data that was leaked from uh, it was like Best Buy, Delta, Sears, and other places through the customer support AI um, chat bots? I love it when they escape the program and start making you read things that's not supposed to. It's my favorite part. <laughs> I mean, every time I see one, I always try to crash it, but it, it, they're, a lot of them are pretty pretty well done. Um, I mean, it just, it's, these attack vectors are, are, like, getting larger and larger as we have more customer support things and more portals and more ways for, you know, by basically removing all the human elements out of a lot of this stuff, it's, you know, increasingly, there's, we're going to have more stuff like this. You know, same thing with, uh, you know, like stores that have no employees that work there and, and you know, um, like self-checkout stuff and, and things like that where, you know, basically, you know, there's very little oversight aside from the whole stealing aspect of it. But if you're, you know, if it's kind of like unchecked in a lot of ways, I mean, this thing, quarter thing's going to be happening. It's just really wild to see something like this. Well, uh, do you guys... Uh, there was, uh, what was it called? I think it was called hackquest.de. And it was one of those skid, like, try to hack, hack this box type websites. And that, this is actually one of the challenges. Get the bot to tell you the password. Um, and I'm talking, I don't know, this is 20 years ago. So it's just interesting that this uh, this challenge, you know, something that was a, a skiddy challenge on a website is, is now gone full circle. We have it in the, everywhere. It's... Selling people customer data. Yeah, it's kind of scary to think that the bot that was actually probably referring to all this information is probably coming from a database that didn't have its own account. Like it's literally giving all access to whatever customer's information just for this one little application. Yeah, I mean, because if they're doing, if they're handling customer support and handling, you know, a large number of functionality that a normal customer support service would actually do, you know, if that's all automated, you know, any sort of business logic flaws in there is going to be pretty catastrophic. I mean, you have an uh, unchecked item in the baggage area. (laughs) So um, you guys have obviously been at the supermarket before. I mean, I've done this, um, you know, I I, I guess it's a crime. We shouldn't really talk about crimes, but I've been in the supermarket and, and that stupid uh, self-checkout hasn't worked. And maybe I've put, you know, a, a, an apple into the bag and taken it home without paying for it just to make the machine work. So, Hold on. I'm calling the FBI right now. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Chris. Good to see you again, man. What's up, guys? What's up, dude? I'm just going to, I'm just going to preface everything with this. You guys have got the thoughts tonight. So, I may mute from time to time. I'm going to do my best to not get any on mic, but, you know. It is shark, yeah. shark week, so be careful. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, I mean, it's it's kind of wild where, you know, when I go to the, um, like, self-checkout stuff and just, you know, seeing that it's it's booting up, like, 
most ancient ancient software on very old most of it runs on XP. Yeah, it does. Have you guys been to a DMV? They're like running Cobalt. Dude, really? <laughs> it's amazing. I want to see the whole DMV like workforce replaced with machines. I really do, because those people are like the cuntiest people on the fucking planet. Seriously. Um, I think Windows XP embedded is is it still supported by Microsoft, even though that the X eighty six is not. Well, yeah, because the Navy's got a shitload of them. There's a lot of and, uh, stuff too. It's sorry, like, Windows which Windows CE or Windows embedded like. Uh, yeah, Windows. Old version of Windows CE. Or, yeah. They have some dumb names. Wasn't there like Windows B? Yeah, Millennium Edition. You know, a lot of that legacy code from Windows ME is like knocking around in like Windows 10 now. Like even if you like all the the old shit, like the IP. You know, if you look at the IP configuration, like uh, you know, you right click on the networking thing, you go to properties and stuff. That goes back to like fucking Windows 98, and that's like legacy code. Did you guys see that dump on like Reddit or whatever where they put like a bunch of comments from Microsoft source code and like all the fucking programmers are like, what the fuck? I'm so pissed that I have to make this work for 98 and blah blah blah. I did not see. Oh, that backwards compatibility, man! It's amazing. Yeah, but it's also terrifying as well because if you have to support like legacy systems, like. You know, you, you're seriously carrying, like, you know, all the fuck-ups with you. Yeah, I mean, how many things have you seen in PowerShell to, like, own systems? That's <laughs> probably, like, some mm-hmm. legacy thing. Dude, speaking of legacy shit, I had this fucking project that I was working on for a client. It's, like, oh, it was fucking disgusting. It was, it was like, a legacy app that I had to fucking upgrade to TLS 1.2, and it was such a pain in the dick. So fucking gross. I felt like the most disgusting human being on the fucking planet. I was like, I should fucking just be burying this fucking software. I feel like a piece of shit right now making it work. Take their money and tell them it can't be done. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, this is actually impossible. Uh, You guys have to pay me now. Yeah. (laughs) But there's still my consulting fee, so. So, did you guys read uh, the... One actually saw you're the one who shared this, and I thought it was interesting. If you had any any thoughts on it, the uh, Cisco iOS um, smart install remote code execution phone that just uh, got released, CVE 2018-0171. It's um, basically just sending some weird data, which I don't know if there's a POC for this, um, but sending some data to this uh, to newer iOS devices. It seems you can or Cisco devices, you can uh, uh, do some RCE on it. Here, I'll share this in the chat, sorry. What's embarrassing coming from Cisco? Yeah, they've been fucking up so much. They're used to it. Yeah, it it looks like there were several vulnerabilities. There was CVE-07, I'm sorry, 0171, and then there was also CVE-0156, and it looked like it was 0156 that was actually being used. Uh, In the attack... um, against uh, various targets in Russia and Iran, at least according to, again, uh, Kihu. Um, again, if they're both capable of leveraging uh, remote code execution, uh, either one would do the trick. Uh, it it yeah. becomes a problem of, of end of life. So uh, right. there are vulnerabilities in the software, and uh, it, 
at what point does fixing these issues become uh, uh, problematic for a company or uh, would they simply rather just see it uh, terminate at end of life? Um, it's kind of like having skeletons in your closet, right? Mm. I think you I mean, should hire more Israeli companies and they wouldn't have to worry about these things. I, yeah. I want to know how many times have you guys been in a data center, um, whether it be on a tour with a tech or been working there, walking through like a row of racks on like level three and uh, being like, who owns this rack? And it's like, nobody knows, just don't touch it. And there's like some old ass shit in fucking time. You just like, who, who, who owns that rack? Like nobody, nobody knows. So it's like, okay. We'll find out when it goes offline. Yeah, that's right. Just shut it off. We'll see. Well, so there used to be uh, talk about carnivore servers around. I mean, that would be an interesting, yeah, uh, maybe cool. light trend. Yeah. You still so I, I would imagine that stuff exists. <laughs> So supposedly that that like CIA tools dump or whatever was because somebody popped like a staging server that hadn't been cleaned or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? The um, fuck, what was the name of that group? It happened like eight months ago. It's always the staging environment. Yeah. So um, there was a there was an RCE like two days ago. There was like an O-Day Investor CP. I don't know if anybody here has heard of it. It's like a control panel like it's like a php control panel kind of like c panel but you know the free version and there was like an rce in it and just like their forum just started lighting up like on the 8th of april just fucking mad people were getting owned and they still don't know where the vulnerability is but they just like went through fucking they did like escape shell odds on like every fucking variable in their code and they're like i don't know whatevs like in the commits it's so funny and that's crazy that like they, that uh, so many people are getting owned. That, that's an interesting um, space because you're talking about people who are running a free control panel because they require a control panel to control their server. And out of all those people, nobody knew how to do enough incident response to figure out how they were getting owned. Dude, they were trying to fucking pull logs, but they're like, I don't fucking know. There's like a root kit and fucking OV8 shut me down. Some people were saying, oh, I think OVH got hacked, and I was following it pretty closely, but I don't know. I heard there were sophisticated actors. APT. Nessus. <laughs> uh, did you guys see the next one, which I'm really excited to talk about? Hermit's the one who found this one for me. Uh, it's the China social credit system and their their punishments that they have. Wild. Yep, that's also commonly known here as the Sesame Score. It's literally an episode of Black Mirror. Like it, it was literally one of it was literally the plot line for one of the fucking episodes. Yeah, I I don't exactly which one you're talking. It's like season two, episode two, I think. The one with the bikes. No, it's the one where they have like the phones and like you get liked and disliked and you have a rating. Oh yeah, the oh. coffee guy. And, and uh... fucking coffee guy. You gave yeah, me three stars. I was like, oh, well, it wasn't It wasn't a meaningful interaction, you know? Yeah. Well, did anybody read... You think we're headed there? The, uh, the actual punishments? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I have them up here. I thought it was castration. Uh, no, it's a little bit worse <laughs> than that. There are, are some really interesting ones. I don't know. Um, worse than that? Flight restrictions. So, yeah, the, the first one that's listed here is you can get banned from flying or getting on a, um, like getting on a train or like getting basically 
travel bans. Um, the second one is throttling your internet speeds. Just, you know, because yeah. you, you know, made somebody yeah. ups, upset somewhere. Um, banning you or your kids from, like, good schools. Uh, stopping you from getting jobs in management. Um, keeping you out of good hotels. And also, the most ridiculous one is just being publicly named as a bad citizen. So there's a website that they have that I'm posting in the stream chat right now um, that is the website that is basically used to publicly shame people. Um, it's just pretty, yeah. it's pretty fucking it's like, it's, yeah, it's like really just some petty shit. It's really weird. Yeah. China's like, like, there will be no shit posting in this goddamn country. <laughs> I mean, we joke about it here because that's kind of our situation, but over there, that's fatal. Like, yeah. you can actually look at freaking Wu right now and pretty much all the stuff she's doing with. She's more or less done with her career because of all this. Yeah, I mean, people, Sexy in, uh, people in Shenzhen right now, like, um, they're using Why? facial recognition on the CCTV. And they're, and they're texting people they're fine. Right? Because, like, fucking Tencent owns everything. Like, they literally yeah. own all the messaging services. All of, like, the yep. tech companies, like... Yeah. We were talking about this last week. How how? So, Lindsay, to answer your question. I'll do this really quickly. Uh, more or less, her uh, pretty much her I'm trying to think of the best word here. Her credibility has been ruined uh, by outside sources. Uh, Vice's Vice, last thing kind of damned her, and they pretty much actually said that yeah. she's saying certain things about the government, and that can mean you're you're pretty much poisoning other businesses, and they'll go ahead and distance you from that because they see you as a way to actually lose money. So, because she lost credibility, that means that no one's going to do business with her anymore, and she has a hard time making money. Well, well it's almost as bad being on China's shit list. <laughs> We're talking yeah, that's, that's... about the cameras. <laughs> they like don't the judge around with that. Are... That's pretty much a death sentence, more or less, for your career. No, Faith, we're talking about just the general social rating system. That it There's a bunch of different things that apply to it. Like, if you've been convicted of crimes and things like that, you basically get like uh points deducted from your reputation yeah i started I, I tried to raise this last week as a uh when we were talking about the, the biometric identification of jaywalkers and the automatic penalty applied in china using facial recognition yeah um tie that into the fact that like local just said um 90 of transactions in china are through like WePay or alipay on a mobile phone it's all tied back to chinese bank account chinese identity now it's tied to this thing. Um, you can, you can, if somebody commits a, a crime against the state, um, they can no longer get on a train anymore. They can't buy anything. They're, they're just completely cut off from, from all interactions in society. And not only that, CCTV cameras tracking them and identifying them, cell towers flagging them. It's, it's like dystopian nightmare, and it's happening right now in China. Things are getting fucking crazy. Over there, like, did did you see what they they were the first ones to get Apple to crack like publicly, you know, like making Apple pull the iCloud servers in China and all that shit. Like, that's pretty fucking because yeah, because what they probably did is that they sent people on fucking ski master their HQ like every fucking week and harassed them until they did it. Because they or just so told them like money now it doesn't matter. Right. They could just threaten and not let them use their workforce. You know what I mean? Like, Apple would be fucked if it wasn't for fucking Foxconn. Imagine if you had to make everything in, in California. If Apple had to manufacture every component, every piece of plastic, using paying American wages, 
Oh, it'd be fucking retarded. Nobody like it's hard to afford it now. Imagine that shit, dude. It's like the price of a fucking Ferrari. Honestly, guys, some serious shit is gonna go down in China in like the next couple of years. Like, watch my fucking word, because you know I've been talking to like all my friends in China. They're all so pissed off. Like everyone is so fucking angry about. It. And like there was a um, it was like the whole power grab thing that the, the president did, where he basically made himself president for life. Like some like some serious shit is gonna go down. So how about uh so the slow internet speed punishment would be pretty interesting because I think uh it's QQ right the uh that isn't just their instant messenger but is like their PayPal and, and stuff as well as yeah. was my understanding. So like if they if their if their internet is is crippled and they're using you know QQ for everything, I mean how's that gonna work? They just that's just your daily interaction with people you know like your social networking now is uh is limited so no you poison but it's difficult i i feel like it's testimony that they're traffic shaping that they're trying to identify everything that everything that everybody is doing at any given point in time and to be able to make use of all that data is their goal and the question is is whether or not it's actually going to shame or if it's actually just going to make martyrs. And uh, I, I would look back to events in history like Tiananmen Square. The thing is, is like, the worst thing about it is like, you can, um, you can now get punished by association. Because if your husband or whatever has like poor credit, that will also extend to you. So this is gonna lead to like, you know, if, someone, if some guy like tweets something bad about the communist party, like his entire family is gonna fucking disown him. Because now they can't buy cars and shit. So I think in some parts of China, it's not, owning a car is not viable as it is. Correct. Well, that's just like a sort of metaphor for other big things that could be prohibited by the government because of association with it. I think there's a lot of public transport in China. Like that's majority of transportation is public, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that was a bad example, but. So well, no, but you can't get on the train. Right, so, like, oh. exactly. You'd be fucked. You can't, yeah, you, you might not be able to get a car, but you also can't get on the train. So yeah, now you... What are you doing? You're you can roll blade, dude. Gotta get some rollerblades. That must mean you're a white hat. All white hats rollerblade, all black hats skateboard. Everybody knows this. Dude, I have fucking a pair of rollerblades in my backseat of my car just in case, like, I ever see a rollerblading gang. I was like, hey guys, can we blade together? <laughs> Just <stop> my car <laughs> What's up, guys? You blade? What's up? Hey, I heard we need a. a, a Chris, you probably wear fucking heels. We should add real Donald Trump for that one for you, Chris. Yeah, ask him if he wants to roll blade. Oh, ask him if he wants to be the diplomat for China. Uh, so. Yeah, I would not do well in anything diplomatic. <laughs> Uh, did you guys hear about the, the – did you guys read the thing that uh, Not Pike had shared about the radio hacker in Australia who had hijacked the uh, emergency alert system? No, but that's cool. So this guy is actually um, pretty renowned for doing uh, – well, here at least, I guess, for doing uh, radio stuff. Um, he's done a whole bunch of stuff at cons and whatever here. Um, and I'm really not surprised at all. By like, yeah, um, yeah. Tony's I'll... pretty popular in the SDR community. Like he's popular here. He kind of runs the Cyber Spectrum meetup in the Bay Area. 
it's kind of their little radio hacker group they have down there. And he used to work for Edis Research, but like right now he's doing consulting work. I mean, he, he knows his stuff. Yeah, but I think uh, it's uh, so. It, what's funny is um, the Sydney Sydney have this emergency alert system, right? And um, it does uh, this kind of thing. And there was actually a blackout in the CBD, uh, the, the Central Business District of Sydney, um, right after they they got this emergency system up and running. Not this particular emergency system, but the emergency system up and running, and. Um, because it was a blackout, nobody factored in backup power onto the emergency uh, on the emergency notification system, and um, there was all this black smoke billowing from uh, from these buildings, which turned out to be backup generators. But all the people who didn't know that all these buildings had like massive diesel generators in the basement were like, <laughs> "The city's on fire. There's like no emergency system. Like all this crazy stuff." Um, so I think like it's a pretty big social vulnerability, I guess, being able to, to hijack this kind of system where you can cause a panic, you know, like if you're, if you're an Islamic terrorist or whatever, trying to, you know, set something off and you all, you know, whatever, you get people running around their heads cut off because they're getting all these emergency notifications and, or in Hawaii, like what we saw with the uh, emergency nuke, thing recently yeah this Dallas is too that actually happened with their uh, emergency alert system someone actually figured out it was the simple like dtmf code pretty much what you can dial on your telephone and all they did have to do is just get like a cheap 30 dollar radio transmit and send like a certain sequence of tones and it fucking set off the system wow so that <clears throat> that emergency broadcast from australia that thing that we're discussing that was unencrypted Yep. It's actually San Francisco, but yeah, they, Tony actually just sat down and kind of figured out the protocol that was using to communicate back and forth. And more or less, he just said it was kind of different every single time, so he kind of had to figure out the pattern, if it was like time-stamped or kind of like how like uh, user data game packets go, where you can't just spoof them, they actually have like an identification to them. But all he said was he just sat down and reverse engineered and said like, yeah, this stuff's unencrypted. Yikes. But this is nothing new. I mean, you look at any, like, uh, emergency system that actually has your radios, it's all pretty simple stuff. I mean, nothing complex like we're dealing with with telephones and things like that. It's, like, all in open text and, or should I say open speak, and literally to actually use the system, you just got to know the frequencies, and that's not hard to do. Yeah, I mean, is, I was uh... doing a DMR stuff the other week, and I was just surprised, how, you know, how simple it was. This is legacy, uh, legacy emergency broadcast systems as well. There's like smart cities. Yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. Uh, I mean, emergency systems are pretty weak, and that is a high-value target, and that will cause a lot of chaos and damage if you damage it. And there's some of the smart city stuff that I've looked at. Um, they have like cameras at every single intersection, every single CCTV that the government controls generally has a speaker attached to it, and they use more modern stuff, like they use web APIs uh, to talk between these devices, but it's still unencrypted and it's as simple as like dragging an MP3 into a web form to get a bunch of cameras across the city to start blasting out a message to people. That's awesome. That was really cool. Yeah, I think uh, 
using the so web, like so not having it on, is it the, I don't know if you can disclose, but was it, is it, is it real internet or is it uh, on a network? Me, uh, internal networks, obviously, um, not across a web. Okay. I mean, just let's rate, let's rate scary to scarier. <laughs> Yeah, right. But those little, uh, those little interchange uh, green boxes that you see at traffic intersections, if you pop one of those things open, it's just got like a Dell computer inside it. Bam, you're on that network. Yeah, I've seen them broken open before and there's like Cat5 running in there. There's an RJ45 socket on the end. Uh, the same thing kind of with um, some of the public transport uh, notification systems here. If you watch them reboot, you see, X, you know, you see the basic... Um, console output from a Linux machine booting, and then it's like a you know, X starts, and then the interface comes up. You can see like the Intel uh, network boot, Intel uh, PXE boot agent comes up briefly as it reboots, and you can see an exposed <laughs> cable, and you think, wow. What the heck? <laughs> so would you guys classify those, like the, this, those of you with experience in the array, would you classify those emergency broadcast systems and those things that use those archaic you know, frequencies and whatnot without encryption would you classify that as low-hanging fruit i would definitely call that low-hanging fruit but more or less this is who is ballsy enough to actually want to go ahead and actually cause that much damage it's going to be more or less yeah. like an act of terror i mean this is not like this defacing a website for kicks and giggles this is actually threatening people's lives that was, uh, risk, risk, risk rating is like uh likelihood times consequence right so Consequences through the roof, likelihood is absolutely zero. Unless some asshole like this guy comes along and says, "Look how easy this is." So uh, there's this. There's actually an, uh, a news article from a few months ago um, where a, uh, a at the airport here, somebody with a radio on the right frequency and the right radio was driving around and told a passenger aircraft to do a go around which is, uh, or, or come around or go around. I, can't, I don't know the terminology, but he, he used the terminology and apparently sure? um, what I heard, he, he sounded like he was, uh, he didn't, you know, he was kind of pretty amateur, but he knew the correct terminology and it caused an aircraft carrying passengers to, you know, go around, like to go and re-land or whatever it means. But it threw all the, uh, the other passenger aircraft that were, in the air at the time to have to reshuffle, you know, the aircraft controllers are going crazy um, to make sure planes weren't crashing into each other. And I believe that it carried a minimum penalty of like 40 years for like just broadcasting some, uh, some shit. How do you so, get one of those things down? Like the things that are hanging on the wires, the lights or whatever, do you just like throw rocks at it? <laughs> Like, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, because you said consequence. And, like, if you're just standing there throwing rocks at that shit, somebody's going to call the cops. How do you get it I down? Mean, I mean, there's urbexes and guys who climb cranes and stuff. So, I mean, that uh, those communities do cross over with hacking somewhat. Uh, we were at a, a 2600 a very long time ago, and um, a tram came out the front. And there was a ticket machine on the tram, which there usually is, like, that you just put your ticket in to check it. And um, an unnamed individual ran onto the tram, very drunk, and just, like, tried to, to pull the ticket machine off the tram. And um, 
the, the, t- the driver was like, can you please not do that? And the tram left. And But he, he came back with the ticket machine. And nobody called the cops. Like, nobody did anything. He just That's came awesome. back and, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, I was, you know, I was like, what the hell? What's going on? Is this real life? So one thing I just kind of want to bring up, because this also ties into pretty much like a whole, like, philosophy we got to think about it's really hard to actually do encryption with emergency traffic because it's not like your cell phones that actually have a dedicated like cell tower that we all call to and that those are encryption for us. We're talking about point-to-point encryption for a lot of this technology, which is going to be either either A, really hard to actually have enforce, and then you also got to think about the knuckleheads who are going to screw it up and get people killed. There's uh, in, in encrypted emergency broadcasts during a bushfire, like a, a forest fire, um, cell towers often send broadcast messages to any device on that cell, and that's that's still using the, the network. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, but for emergency stuff, they got to actually plan these things with the cell towers being out. So a lot of these uh, emergency alert systems with the sirens and stuff like that, they have those built up in mind where everything else fails. Pull out the ham radio. And that's the problem. Ham radios are unencrypted, so then it ties into the original issue. How do you secure the stuff? Don't the police use AES encryption? Yeah, most uh, cops use encryption. But yes, a guy but we're talking about kind of like emergency systems for like worldwide, you know, airplanes, for example. I mean, so like they mentioned before. What the fuck, man? It's 2018. Yeah, I think, oh, uh, cops use, uh, I think cops use, I think, Generally here, I think it's a trip desk rolling key on P25. But that, that I could be totally wrong, but I think that's the case. So the rolling key changes faster than you can crack it. So the only way that uh, people scan Metro Police, I think, is uh, they have it, a radio from the police. So whether they're a policeman or not, I, I don't know. But yeah, there was a guy like last week uh, in, went to court for this because he broadcast. He called off a police chase in Brisbane by broadcasting to the cops saying, with the right keywords and everything saying. So speaking of other hijacked signals, the next news item that we have has to do with uh, a lot of Vivo stuff getting hacked, supposedly. Um, we were talking about the, this earlier. The YouTube shit? Yeah, uh, with um, ProSox and uh, Kuroi SH. Um, did you guys see that, uh, in the wild? I just heard about that, kind of. I didn't, didn't see anything. So, yeah, basically it's stuff like, um, like Despacito, which has, like, five billion views, and a bunch of other songs, like Drake, Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez, I thought, and the, game, thought the name of the song was Despacio. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> no, it's not. Is a <laughs> I guess I'm wrong here. Sorry. Let, let me uh, let just go wild back in my cave again. Um, no, but so they had, he had hijacked a bunch of uh, these people had hijacked a bunch of videos and they had just put in the titles um, their own like you know nicknames and Free Palestine and other stuff. And they also had um, some they had, like it's a really scary like the I think it's like the Purge or I don't know what this is. Um, like title cards that they put in the actual videos as well, which is uh, pretty spooky. But we were all kind of oh. debating on how we think it might have happened, um, whether it be somebody at Vivo got uh, some sort of creds mined and 
So I don't know. What do you guys think? Angola, just... Russia. Russian style. Yep. There you go. I don't know. Looking at the guy's Twitter and the other stuff that he's been up to over the last few months, he's pretty shit to hacker. So uh, I think he just got lucky. Is this the guy that did the YouTubes? Yeah. Yeah, the Vivo attack. He was like he was like DDoSing Minecraft servers and stuff three months ago. So. <laughs> yeah. And the, the YouTube beef is like the funniest. It's like they're wrong. Gonna be How old is that guy? I like he's in his forties. Oh, holy shit! What a loser. <laughs> oh, I hope I don't know. <laughs> well, uh. You see another interesting thing that, about videos is there was a, an interesting write-up of this guy. Um, I'll put this in the chat as well. Um, so somebody was doing a write-up about basically getting this weird type of phishing um, with the fact that uh, Gmail doesn't care about dots that appear in usernames. So people have been going to sites that do care about dots and usernames, signing up for stuff like Netflix or other services, and then getting credit card information from people with legitimate accounts by getting, you know, they're clicking the internal links in the emails that are sent to them, logging in to confirm, you know, payment or other account detail stuff. But, you know, let's say your name is, I don't know, Jeff, and you have j.eff at gmail. You know, signing up for Netflix with that is different from the other just jeff at gmail.com. And so people are basically getting these emails sent to them and then are then going through a legitimate provider and getting their, um, you know, actual information sent to a completely different account. Regex is hard. Yeah, I think the the Gmail dot thing has been around for as long as right. I've used Gmail. It's a feature. It's yeah, a feature. I mean, you, you basically like you want to make ten accounts with the one Gmail, just put dots everywhere. Um, and like you use it for different services, so you can find out who spams. Yeah, of course. Right. Of course. Yeah, or where you get breached from, or if you are, if you do end up in a breach, it's, it doesn't appear to be the same email, and skids find you a little less easier. Yeah, it is interesting though, just that that you know, it basically has to go one way or the other. Because if another, if it's a valid email on multiple accounts, then you know, then it leaves this sort of attack factor open. Because it's it's not easy to tell all the time if you have you know if you don't regularly do that, um, that you are you know getting targeted by something like this. Uh, there was just a text chat that came through with uh, just mentioning that Google Mail to Gmail as well is auto forwarded. Yeah. Which I think. Yeah. Oh, cool. Hold yeah. Domain. Right. Yeah. So you, you get a double. And um, if you use Google Apps for business, uh, say my email address is lol.com, you also get like uh, like lol. Uh, lol-a-com uh, test something or other.com as well. So there's a, a whole nother domain if you're using Google Apps for business that you can use as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's interesting that it's that that's still, you know, something that people aren't aware of, especially bigger providers like Netflix and things where 
they might not um, be aware. Oh, just interesting to point out. Um, I think uh, this is a case where uh, being too tricky and using maybe some sort of a regex is uh, not as good as just using a, a, a strict string compare. Yeah. So regex is hard as fuck too. <laughs> like I'm serious, I fucking hate regexes too, and I I'm so shit at them. My regexes look fucking terrible. Dude, I just use Slack every single time I gotta use regex. I don't know about you guys. I like regex. Uh, I use a tool just called fucking... uh, regex. Regex. Uh, yeah, regex. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. cool because it highlights it, but the they website. don't do like lookbacks and fucking. It's it's. I don't remember what the words are for them, but regex has a lot of crazy shit that you got to do, and that browser doesn't doesn't do all of it in JavaScript. Look, I have look, a, look, a, look expressions. What a weird name. Yeah. I fucking hate question. them, dude. Irregular uh, expression. Server side request forgery fall on the uh, OWASP. What's that without look? Uh, I just uh, asked where server side request forgery falls under the OWASP. Uh, it was top 10. I don't know. I don't know if SSRF is on the top 10 or not. Um, I don't, I don't think I've read the top 10 in a while. It falls under like content and code injection, which is like the number one category anyway, but so does cross-site scripting and pretty much every class of vulnerability. So they don't even need a top 10. They need like three. That covers everything. Just use the actual CWE list. But um, so uh, just on regex as well, just, uh, there was that feature that was in PHP, if you guys remember as well, where uh, one of the, the modifier flags was eight, which was eval. So just please eval whatever you match. And um, uh, devs who had been, uh, you know, muscle memorying their, their flags, like, you know, IGM or whatever, had been putting E in certain places that were, you know, into user controlled variables. So you'd end up with execution and like in PHP apps through that, through that flag. Hmm. Terrible. Uh, do you guys want to get into the fail of the week? What? Yes. This is my favorite. I didn't know we had that. Now that's cool. Oh. I'd like to know what that is. So the fail of the week. Well, we basically we've just been going over our favorite security fails of the week, and this week is pretty spectacular in the way that it backfired, which is the T-Mobile Austria just oh. free pen test. Okay. So um, here I have uh, somebody had I found had uh, done a just a whole like Twitter moment about this, which is really beautifully done. Um, basically, it, it just started out with this thread of, of somebody saying, does T-Mobile Austria in fact store customers' passwords in clear text? And they tweeted at T-Mobile Austria and some other people. And they responded by saying that the customer service agents only see the first four characters of your passwords. And they stole the whole, pa whole password because they need it for login. And then it just goes on to this person saying, you know, from T-Mobile saying, I don't see why this is a problem. You have so many passwords for every app, for every email account and so on. And um, we secure all our data very carefully, so there's nothing to fear. Then, you know, goes on and on. And they basically tout their own security, saying that they're it's amazingly good. And also berating people, saying, do you have any idea how a telecom company works? Um, to which 
a lot of people who work at telecom companies who are participating in this also retorted. And it just turned into a huge shit show, people finding all sorts of bugs in their stuff and just posting screenshots on Twitter and tagging T-Mobile at them. It's probably one of the most ridiculous things that I've seen happen in a little bit of just a company's just weird arrogance just getting back at them and just slapping them in the face. T-Mobile has just been historically a shitty-ass one, though, in terms of security. Like any phone that you take has some system somewhere that's a piece of shit, and not just one, yeah. probably ten. So, like, to, for for them to have such arrogance to say our security is like amazing, do you know how to, telco works? From someone who's done telco work, yeah, they work fucking terribly. They're like string and glue, like you know. Um, the, 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 if, if they do use, uh, plain text passwords, it's probably because they have two pieces of shit systems. They can't share the same hash type or can't be modified to use the same hash type or, you know, on a, some scenario like that. The, the robots.txt page even had disallow, uh, um, CSV and their, um, status page was open to, there was a lot of shit. Yeah, like pretty much like info.php, cross-site scripting. Actually, they did get breached too. Did you guys read about that? No, I did not. I didn't really follow it any further than that night. Yeah, a friend of mine actually, this is second second hand, but more or less actually the other websites that were associated with uh, this company actually became breached. And they were talking about how more or less like everything was kind of ran on the same system and there's no baffling whatsoever. So quite possibly people's passwords and usernames may have been leaked. Yeah, I think uh, with any sort of telco, ISP, whatever. Um, I mean, look look back to the 90s. Think of a telco that wasn't owned. That, like, not half the people you knew had root on. I think the other thing we're forgetting here is that um, a lot of these company Twitter accounts are uh, managed by, like, 20-year-old um, marketing people that have no idea that they're talking to an infosec professional reporting some serious issue they're just re repeating boilerplate responses to the average dumb consumer well I don't, how, did, how did they know that they like need to store the password and they just didn't store a hash that, that's kind of like technical i think um it probably would have been a case of uh they see a system page so when you when they authenticate the customer uh, customer calls up and it has their full name, date of birth, and uh, address, and probably phone like phone number for the service, whatever on the on the screen. They ask the customer, "Hey, what's this details?" And potentially one of those screens contains a plain text version of the password. So maybe that password was stored encrypted, but like so not hashed, but encrypted. And all they know from their perspective, this twenty-year-old media guy sees is a plain text password on the screen. But, um, I mean, those databases are classic for, for doxing people, people's telcos through Comcast, Roadrunner, Warn, Time Warner, like, whoever. Like, you know, that's we've seen it over and over and over again um, in all different cases where that is the source of the dox because they hold all those things. Yeah, that's terrible design programming. Jeez. But even, even not that, like, do you have your minimum wage workers that are answering the phones and will just let anything slip? Or, like, the person, I think their name was, like, Keith or Leif, that said the fucking, the clear text password shit? It was Keith. Like, yeah, so, 
why the fuck would you say that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, it just doesn't I, give I, a fuck. A lot of people in in that. Uh, so I actually worked telco support on the phone when I was a very very junior. And um, I'll tell you, like, I didn't give a shit. I didn't leak information like that. But there were people around me who, like, like the turnover for those places was, like, six months. And that's in Australia. So imagine, you know, places where you can get other jobs, right? That's, we're talking about three-month glass door scenarios. And then you've got these people who have been doing the same job for, like, five, six, seven, ten years. They still work support at the telco. And that's shitty. Yeah, that's, it's, you know, like, they don't know that these things, the, the glass door people could just, you know, they don't really give a shit. And um, the the reason I left that job was I actually abused the customer in the end. I snapped and I I, um, I told them to go fuck themselves and, like, all this shit. Um, and then just They were being really but, stupid? Uh, they were, yeah, yeah, they tried to tell me how, like, whatever, how something worked and I knew exactly how it worked. And I was like, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir. And then they started telling me I don't know my job and I ended up abusing them. But, um, at the top of my lungs. You could do a reenactment of the call. (laughs) Uh, All right. It it, it, kind of went like this. Um, I'm talking to this guy's wife and she's saying, Hey, we've got a new computer and this type of modem. Can you, can Um, you do a girl's voice with a girl pot? Uh, and um so she she was like talking to me anyway her her husband who was a pig farmer no doubt he gets on the phone and he's like you don't know what you're talking about it's a new computer mate and i was just like no sir we've we've got um i've got the 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 modem is connected to the computer via the ethernet cable and these lights indicate this and i can log into the web interface from your computer to the modem However, this other light on the modem is telling me that uh, there is no synchronization on the DSL line. So it, you're running a 20-meter cable. Um, we need, we're going to try isolate it by taking the modem to the wall, and we're gonna, I'm going to call you on your cell phone, and we're going to plug it into the wall and just see if we can get synchronization, just to make sure it's not the cable, not the length of the cable, any, any, anything like this, right? And he's like... You don't know what you're talking about. It's a new fucking computer, mate. Look at the fucking computer. It's a problem with the fucking computer. And I was just, I just, I took it for a while. Like, I was like, look, all right. Like, you know, you, you, you even calling you mate. Like, well, well that's in Australia, Australian, dude. Mate, mate is kind of his mate. And so he, he's, he's it's going like crazy, rock. right? That's what I'm saying. And yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, um, blah, 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 taking it, taking it, taking it, taking it, taking it. And then I'm like, what the fuck do you do for a living? He's like, I'm a farmer. I was like, you're a fucking farmer. Well, I work in fucking IT and I know how this fucking works. So how about <laughs> you go to university, learn how this fucking thing works, finish up, come back and tell me I'm fucking wrong then. I'm transferring you to a fucking manager right now. And then I just like, That's so to a manager. And then I like walked out, I was standing up and like people are looking at me. There's like 300 people are like looking at me like, holy shit, what did this guy just say? And then I just walked out for a cigarette and uh, my manager came out after he told me to go home and come back the next day. He quote, lost the call recording. And um, yeah, I was very young. I was like, I might've been like 17 or something. Right. So, you know, it was a long time ago. Dude, I like your boss. She fucking looks out for people. Uh, he turned out to be a dick, but anyway. Ah. Well, so that's the story of the week. 
I'm glad you didn't. Know. I worked at Walmart when I was 16. <laughs> well, that's it for the stuff. news of to, of the week. Um, do you guys want to get into the topic of the week? The topic of the week is responsibility. Now, this goes into a bunch of different things, but I kind of wanted to focus on a, on a couple. So the first one would be about the responsibility of platforms for users' content, which is a big issue right now with, um, you know, we're talking with, with the Twitter stuff, with, um, you know, banning radical accounts, um, Facebook limiting um, data that, I mean, uh, ads and other posts that would be construed as like fake news or, or contribute to influencing elections and things. Um, and then even up to right now's uh, Backpage thing, when Backpage was uh, seized by the FBI, and they've had a lot of issues lately um, over the years about, you know, basically being complicit, as they say, in, in sex trafficking. Um, when, you know, it, there's other platforms this happens on, but this is just, you know, it became like a hub for it. And so I think it's a really broad thing, but it, it opens up a lot because, you know, as people here who, you know, have developed, you know, platforms and contributed to things, whether it be building them or breaking them, how responsible are platforms and companies supposed to be for people's conduct on the things that they create because as platforms roll together and become much much bigger and have so many features and so many different aspects of it is it like really realistic to have um platforms be responsible for everything that their their users do what do you guys think i don't think it's feasible for a platform to have that type of control like and to be honest, like, I wouldn't really want a platform to have that type of control because they would have to be watching everything. You know what I mean? And to a degree, I think that, you know, people should be able to post whatever they want to post, like, you know, within reason, free speech and such. But I think I, platforms I have, I think they have the responsibility in the scenario of, um, of, of PII in a scenario where that platform is designed to do something specific uh, as opposed to a social media platform where you just post your full name, date of birth and everything publicly. Yeah. Um, but if it's PII and, and it's, um, you know, something, so let's take um, some examples that came out this week from uh, trustworthy news sources such as Buzzfeed um, and BuzzFeed did a, a did a news article about Grinder sharing um, HIV status with a third party. So this is actually bullshit, and BuzzFeed, lo and behold, um, uh, were incorrect, and they were just using a platform as a service, um, and so they they classified platform as a service as sharing. Um, but I think. It's, it's a case where Grindr definitely took responsibility of what users are sharing and um, tried to protect it because that was important data. Um, what you ate for dinner is probably not important data. All information is important information. Especially consider it yours. That's my security question. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of... of what people post though i mean there's 
a lot of content limiting lately, and it's it's becoming you know more and more of an issue for people, um, especially with with like stuff with YouTube and and gun related videos, and you know Twitter banning people who have um, like alt right views or, or nationalist views, and like a lot of this stuff. I mean, obviously. You know, I'm not opposed to like have not having like hate speech on a platform, but at the same time, it appears to a lot of people as a sort of like Gestapo sort of thing. But then also at the end of the day, this is all these are all free services. Like nobody actually, you know, we're not paying for it. We're we're just contributing to the the noise. You're just the product. Yeah. So it's just with with all of this, there's so many different oh, subtle nuances. Likewise. It's also a free internet, and you know you're free to create your own service or your own group and start your own party, so to speak. Yeah, you're in hot chat. The downside is a lot of these services that we call free are almost pretty much necessary to even actually live appropriately in life now. Yeah, but it's because also a lot of people have just gravitated towards those. I mean, you don't realistically need Facebook to survive and communicate with the world. But if that's the world that you are contributing to and the people that you're involved with, then yeah, it becomes necessary. But it's just, it becomes more interesting as social media platforms become very ubiquitous. Like I get most of my news um, and video stuff from YouTube. I don't have it, you know, I don't have cable or anything. And a lot of people get most of their news from like Reddit or Facebook or Twitter. And so, you know, it, there are important platforms to share, but it just, with the way that, that it all is set up it's ultimately everything is at the behest of the company that is um you know providing the service of you being able to, to post on there um so i mean it just so it, it just, what? what what about on what about on uh facebook so facebook were were taking down meme posts reposts um and in re uh response to that the users started making single frame videos and posting single frame videos in response to that facebook were taking down single frame videos that were memes um so then they started doing overlays of like like moving triangle transparent triangles and things like that in order to defeat the system so like yeah, a waste of time and money right yeah like they have they developed this whole algorithm to detect really do your fucking job do something else <laughs> yeah yeah, delete you, your own private messages, Facebook. That's crazy. I would leave that up to individual communities to moderate, and I would—I don't think it needs Facebook's interjection in order to censor. Yeah, like, give, give like Reddit's a good like, example. If you give them the to, right um, to moderate and filter. Need to go back to like decentralized, distributed. I hate to be that. Actually, I love to be that guy. Blockchain solution. Uh, we're, back to, like, we're using that or whatever like you couldn't shut that shit down it's on thousands of servers all over the world that was how the internet came about um, it's only lately that we've started trusting these massive data silos that are, that are owned by single corporations and when we start when we compare it to the China stuff like if we're, if we're relying so much on Facebook on a day to day basis that we actually pay for our train tickets and taxi rides and food and stuff with facebook dollars facebooks then it gets really scary and we don't want to go down that path china's already way down that path so do you think um, they'll be begging for likes like that's like begging begging for some sort of currency 
yeah, like tips, like t when you when you tip in the states, and uh, basically the, the server will suck your dick just to, for an extra two bucks. Hmm. Can you give so like a homeless person like a thumbs up when you walk past him in the street, and that directly <laughs> turns into money somehow? No, you give them thoughts and prayers. No. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, can we pay? Can we pay Chinese bills with thoughts and prayers now that they have a social credit system? We say good things for exposure, and then they actually get money from it later. So, in uh, in uh, response to, I guess, a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer internet, I mean, we've already seen other problems that have arisen from that, where we spoke about a couple of weeks ago uh, having. Um, child abuse in the blockchain so i guess where's the healthy balance between being able to protect people and being allowed to do whatever you want having the free internet that we imagined back in you know uh, at, at its conception the thing is the internet is essentially still outside of places where they do deep packet inspection it's pretty much a free, you can still create things that you want it's free to throw your own shit together and throw a box on a line and go to work Invite your friends and see what happens, you know. So right. have you guys ever heard of Mastodon before? Yeah, yes. I don't know. Yeah, so that is cool. probably a good example of what a decentralized social media platform should be. But unfortunately, it kind of ties into the whole free internet where people are going to troll in a piece of system. That's, that's just GNU Social, though, with a different face, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the fourth version of GNU Social ran by a bunch of French furries, believe it or not. But more or less, it was kind of going in like the same problem about actually having filter bubbles. Administrators on different instances and how it works is you pretty much have a bunch of servers and they all cross pollinate with each other and share information, but people would blacklist entire servers just because it's like they're harmful to them. And once you get into that political control, like that's kind of annoying. And I don't know. I would leave a platform that has those kind of interactions with other platforms. That shit's not for me. Yeah, I've the seen that. Uh... More or less, it was pretty much you're no longer in control of actually filtering who you want to talk to and who you don't. The administrator of the instance has total control and is actually blocking users from communicating from other instances. There is a, uh, well, I've seen at least one instance of an of a attempt at building a, an InfoSec Mastodon uh, system um, aimed at, you know, global InfoSec people, not just a localized group. And... Um, I wouldn't want to use it like the looking at it. I feel like less safe, at least uh, with, with Twitter, for example, I know that when I tweet, it's going to everyone and it's, you know, whatever, you know, that's, that's what goes from like, I don't think it's going to be secure or anything. I know that in my brain, when I'm going to type the Twitter, the, the, the tweet, it's, it's a broadcast. You know what's weird about Twitter? I have two accounts that follow the exact same list of people, and when I log into them simultaneously, and they're both they're both checked off, so it's not like t tailor my timeline for me. That's not selected right. I've opted out of that, and the the contents arranged differently. Yep, does the same for me. I think that might just come down. Experiment on like to see how they can organize things the best way and make it control the way you feel i i think it's maybe more simply that uh they have you know if you think of a microservice type platform that's building people's timelines um then it's potentially just that a one service operated you know in a different it, it got stuff from the message queue in a different way than the other one possibly you know
they were processed by different services in parallel. Whether or not those two services are programmed differently to do such kind of a test, that's a different story. It's neural network learning, man. It's it's a freaking black magic box that they throw data into. So now, did anybody watch um, Mark Zuckerberg's testimony today? I did. What did you guys think about the the whole ordeal? It was it was kind of interesting. That, he said the phrase in general quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really interesting question, and I'll get my team to get back to you on that. <laughs> said that like 50 times. Uh, did he ask, though, what's your style? What? What's your style? You guys didn't see a South Park with Zuckerberg? No. <laughs> oh, man. I was yeah. like, what is he saying? What's your style? You gotta, dude, you gotta watch that fucking episode. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I found it pretty entertaining. I, I found it amusing, but a lot of it was just kind of theater. Yeah, it was a lot of just bizarre, like, sort of formalities. And I think a lot of the questions were just very strange. Like, I, in particular, I was kind of just disturbed by what Ted Cruz kept trying to bring up all the time. He kept, like, basically trying to accuse, like, trying to catch Mark Zuckerberg in saying that he, like, didn't like Republicans. But he had asked some pretty absurd questions, like, um, like, do you know what the political orientation of all, like, 15,000 of your content moderators is? And other questions, like, related to the, the stuff that no company should ever know. It just seems really bizarre the way that a lot of, um, the, the, older generation of politicians and, and other people asking him questions, it was just really weird to see what they actually had to ask him. Because there's a lot of things that I personally would have maybe asked given some of his comments, but they kept leading into these weird just agenda-pushing questions that didn't really get a lot of places. To be fair, that was Ted Cruz, so... These are all like old people that don't know shit. I think it's an interesting question, though, if you think about it, because Facebook, you know, in terms of all their users, they know that data, right? So mm. in theory, it should be super easy for them to figure out that that data. So would it be in line with their business operations uh, from, you know, moral standpoint or ethics standpoint to actually look that up in the name of diversity behind the filtration? Mm. Yeah, what do you I, think? I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure because I, it's, how many people want to be content moderators at Facebook and how many people apply? Like how, how far through this HR process do they actually have that implemented? You know, like whether they know it or whether they do it. I, I'm not, I don't know. No, that's true. That would be a job that you could just like sit there and not do, and you wouldn't get caught for a while. Lecrae's <laughs> always going for the easiest way out. Do, yeah, do you um, do you see that? Because there's a lot of uh, push for various types of diversity within the uh, hiring areas of you know the Silicon Valley out here, right? Um, I could see that being used from that perspective, and. Uh, 
I don't know, man. That that would be kind of interesting, especially off the heels of you know Ted Cruz as a potential instigator. I think that we have to remember that we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg in an interview. And um, <laughs> the point of uh, the whole South Park episode where they made him robotic and whatever is, is you know, that, that was the whole joke, how robotic he was. And in response to that, he's, he's taken a, a lot of classes on or a lot of training or whatever on um, how to act. And, and he's obviously even, um, I know, uh, I don't know if they want to say, but there's been people who have taken media training just to do TV, TV interviews and stuff like yeah. that. So um, Mark Zuckerberg's obviously had quite the training to be in the public eye, how to respond to questions and and things like that. So he's he's not giving his he's not trying to show what he's actually thinking or his true responses. He's, he's giving away or he's attempting to give away as much as a robot can. Um, yeah. That goes back to our AI thing we spoke about earlier, getting database stuff out of AI. Um, no, definitely. You know, and, yeah, it, it, and it was more of a, a proposal of like, what if, not a suggestion that he actually would be. Was he sworn in Sorry. Was was Zuckerberg sworn in? I believe I, I no. So it's a Senate here. I, I I heard something that he actually was not sworn in for this one for whatever reason. Yep. When, they probably didn't swear in. have his particular holy book that he would, would want to swear <laughs> in on. Yeah. Uh, I the think book of like, we have um. But if you if you go back and have a look at some of the questions where he's actually the senators are getting quite upset and they're asking him yes or no, Mr. Zuckerberg, blah 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 blah, he still doesn't answer with a yes or a no. He immediately deflects and reframes the question, which is is like uh, a pol politician one hundred and one training. He's he's had serious media training and he deflected every kind of specific question, even questions that you know he technically understands about about. PHP and Apache and stuff. He could he could take he could give you the nerd answer and say, yeah, absolutely, we log all that stuff. So does every website in the fucking world. Um, yeah. But he had to catch himself and then and then delay and divert and say, I have to get back to you. I don't I don't have visibility. So I didn't. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, I didn't watch the interview, but my takeaway was just like it was just a lot of political double speak and basically a waste of fucking time the guy wasn't even sworn in and what was the point of it he swore in on the uh on that o'reilly like javascript in a nutshell book <laughs> nice. yeah and it's gonna happen again tomorrow right there's another four hour testimony senators that have the data categories that they save and didn't Facebook donate to like, there was like some crazy number, only like six or seven of them, something like that, small number, less than 10, um, that were present or something like that. They donated to like every politician. I'll get it right, right now in a second. They probably pulled all their goes. private messages too. Yeah, right, yeah. What I think is really just wild is that I think we're reaching like a point now where Facebook is definitely one of the biggest companies that has the most data over anybody and i feel like a lot of this is like people who are in sort of the old guard and politics and, and regulation who are used to regulating things like banks and and other corporations have literally no idea what to do now 
because they were saying they asked i forget who it was it was towards the end but somebody had asked a question to him saying um is facebook a tech company or a publishing company because they are you know by volume one of the largest publishers in the world if not the largest um where content as far as you know reposted content or user generated content is created and there's also tons of businesses and ads and everything that are all run in the ecosystem of facebook and so it's just weird but there's never been anything with this much of a reach then I mean, there's not been this much of a disruptive sort of thing since say like the printing press you know i mean or even the internet itself where people were able to you know communicate this rapidly but because so much is now dependent on it just because it's out of convenience and people like the service sometimes um it just i think it's a it's going to lead to a lot of really interesting questions as far as how these kind of things are regulated as far you know so they don't become monopolies or um you know other sort of things that would come with giant businesses but it just it seemed interesting to me that there was a lot of of talk back and forth about really specific i mean not, not there were non-specific questions that had specific answers that he couldn't mark zuckerberg i feel like couldn't explain to a lot of people um, especially around just the general technology, because you can't explain a really complex sorting algorithm to somebody who can, you know, has had the same password on their Hotmail account since like the mid '90s. So like, I it's I don't know. It's just interesting to me to see all this unfold and how they'll actually regulate it. Because as we said before, we're talking um, the charade last week. You know, there's not a lot of people that understand this, and there's not a lot of people who in those positions of power who would even know how to act on something to make any sort of constructive thing. Yeah, I think, the thing is, like, those people are growing up right now, and so... I, I think if, we, if we're talking, say, if we, if we take any of these uh, technologies that we talk about in, on, on, on this podcast and you look at the people who are in the room, everybody has a base level of under, understanding of a lot of the things that we're all taking for granted, like, you know, just like the OSI model and, like, um, you know, basic programming. How does text turn into code turn in? You know, how, how does the lightning in the flat rock make internet? Um you know, we, we figured it out. And a lot of the people that um, are involved at other levels of policy and, and government and stuff, you know, this is all literally magic to them. Like the rabbit comes out of the hat and they're like, whoa, the, the, how did, you know, how did you teleport a rabbit into the hat to pull it out kind of thing? You know, it's so there's a huge divide, I think. We had, um, the, we almost had a series of tubes comment there at one point where one of the senators asked him about ISP regulations and whether that should apply to Facebook. And Zuckerberg starts explaining how an ISP is more like, you know, the tubes, the plumbing of the internet. And the senator came back and had to ask a question about tubes again. And we also, we almost had another incident of, you know, not a big truck, series of tubes. Yeah. And the that, that's still like, that's still a thing. Everybody, you know, it's, it's hard to put yourself into the shoes of somebody who doesn't understand. Kind of as it falls back on us to pretty much actually be better custodians and pretty much try to teach people this type of stuff so they don't actually make bad decisions later. I think the Ted Cruz line of questions was actually very revealing on this topic because the way he was probing and saying, so do you know all the political affiliations of all 
12,000 people who, who work on this. Um, someone like Roger Ailes at Fox, if you were to ask him that question, do you know the political affiliation of everybody that works on this station or this channel? He would say, absolutely, yeah, they, they support my guy 100%. So they're used to having that kind of control from, from the top down, and they, they don't understand that he, he wouldn't be taking advantage of this to push an agenda because that's how things have always been done with, with media ownership. You could also say the same in reverse for Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, do you know everybody who you work with's political agenda? I'm sure you would be interested in knowing that. Like if you go to Steve Bannon at Breitbart and say, do you know everybody that works here is, is pro-Republican? He would say, absolutely. You go to Zuckerberg and say, do you know everybody that works at Facebook is a liberal left-leaning Hillary supporter, he would just stare at you, like he did on the video, would just stare at you blankly, like, what kind of stupid question is that? Uh, of course not. It, it's kind of like asking, uh, so you say you work at a company that has 10 to 50 employees and say, do you know everyone's coffee order? Like, you might know a few, but you don't really. Yeah, I mean, that also goes now into, you know, the sort of thing we were talking about earlier. Um, with well where'd craze go um with you know it's gonna be it's it's really almost impossible to regulate every bit of content that comes on to a platform because you know there's so many users that, that you, you know there's there's two billion facebook users if you had one person moderating for every like one to one every person you'd have almost everybody on earth monitoring somebody and so it just seems really just overwhelming even for me thinking about it if i was in his position but it's it's just really crazy to think that there's that level of reach that they have but then it's also like what can anybody how can anybody make any smart decisions about what to do because it's so big there was um a video actually that really pissed me off when i saw it on facebook um i think it was not it would have been last east not last east of the easter before where a guy randomly kills an old man. He shoots him in the face on live video on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, when I saw that, I was I was really mad, and I wanted it to be taken down. Um, and I clicked the report button. Like, I don't click report buttons, you know. I see shit on the internet all the time. It's, it's the internet. But I clicked the report button, and I, it, it didn't go down for some time, even though a lot of people would have been reporting it. It would have had a high like rated thing it was clearly inappropriate co content you know um and so i think it just that just goes to show that even when there's a large scale event like that um it's hard to take the videos down during the siege at the there was a siege at the the link cafe in sydney where uh, a gunman um uh took a bunch of hostages and he was making the hostages up upload um his demands to Facebook, uh, to, sorry, to YouTube. And even those, like, during, because it was like the siege went on for many hours, YouTube were kind of on top of it, but they still got out, they still made it to Live Leak, they still got across, and um, it's a difficult thing. Censorship is a difficult thing, even when it's clearly inappropriate. So now, in terms of liability and things, which is what another big point that they talked about in um, the hearings and things, 
how liable can Facebook really be for that kind of thing? And if they were to remove any sort of protections or any sort of guarantees about the safety of our data or the safety of the content that's being provided and things like that, like what can people realistically do? Because we we know that Facebook and, and Instagram in their terms of service, you know, pretty clearly state that once you post something on the platform, it, it can be used by Facebook for anything they want to. So it just, it, it seems like a lot of this stuff here is, is already been well established in the terms of services, but what's, you know, is there even a legal sort of, like, how can you actually fight against the terms of service, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like what, I think one of the problems is it's global. Facebook, there are different um, laws in every place where it operates, mm -hmm. and keeping up with those might be near impossible. Yeah, and there's because there's also a lot of different rules about censorship in other countries. I mean, taking take like Google in China, for example. You know, there's there's so many different regulations on things that they can't say or can't mention or can't index, and I mean, even like maps are a huge issue with that as well. But I mean. It's just, it's, I feel like it becomes a really like weird slippery slope when we all kind of become slaves to free services that we can't possibly regulate, but they are too big for us to ignore. I think one thing, uh, one example of a company that regulates a region is Amazon. There is actually an AWS China region, which you can apply for. Um, and like I've had an AWS China account previously. Um, and I needed a, a, a really good reason, and it took uh, one of our employees flying to, to Hong Kong and then going to the mainland to, to get it done. But um, because of the it's so different over there, um, they simply block it off from the rest of the world. You know, China blocking off things from the rest of the world is nothing new. And um, that's how they regulate. You know, the, the content that goes on, on that side of the firewall is different. Um, yeah, regulation is hard. I mean, the other big point, I guess, too, is it's, you know, it's tough for me because I just, I I don't really particularly like using social media that much. And I've tried to not share as much information as I possibly can on there while still using things like Facebook to communicate with family. But should Mark Zuckerberg be held accountable for what happened with the ads and things with with russia because this is such a bizarre it's such a weird thing to me like when you look at it all from you know in hindsight it all makes sense like oh you should have stopped this but then again it's it's his platform they they made this they're in it to make money what responsibility does a company a tech company like this have to people to i mean like imagine being put in the position where you create a product and then, you know, 15 years later, you're somehow now in charge of maintaining the integrity of elections of, like, giant countries. Um, I just want to really answer a, quick, uh, it's a related Twitch uh, chat question. Oh, yeah? The If people are dumb enough to be swayed by the internet, whose fault is that really? I, I don't think that's really fair on, on the people who are the users of the internet. I mean, it, it, it's... It's not that they're dumb enough to be swayed by the internet. It's that they're simply unaware. So then that comes back to, if can you hold Mark Zuckerberg uh, personally responsible? Only if he was a, 
specifically aware, I guess, that this is what it was. This is what was happening. He took money knowingly being involved as a, as a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, but if, if I make a website that's like, if I make a shoutbox website, right, it's like a, it's like a shoutbox 101 and somebody posts some crap on there and I haven't even looked at it in months. Am I personally reliable for hosting that content? Like if it's a, a link to spam or credit card dumps or who God knows what, you know, whatever, something illegal. Are you personally responsible for that? I think uh, you just, you just use the keyword there specifically aware. If you go back through Zuckerberg's testimony, he answers like 30 questions with that exact phrase. I am not specifically aware of the details of, of what you just asked me. And there's also uh, yeah, a rule. A, can't get out of jail. Sorry, Dave, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's, that's just, that's a specific turn of phrase that really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's been raised again. I'm like, yeah, specifically aware. That's, that's a good one to avoid uh, taking personal responsibility as a CEO by saying, um, you know, that's, that's, I'll have to talk to my team and get back to you on that because as a CEO, I'm very busy. I've got lots of other stuff to do. I don't have any specific awareness of that. Um, so he can avoid personal responsibility. Facebook as a company can take responsibility, but he gets out of the, out of the way. I think it comes down to then, um, should he have been specifically aware? Like if somebody in the company did know and it was of this magnitude, why was he not aware? Um, should, and if, if it's a case of negligence where he should have been aware and he wasn't made aware, then I think that's still a problem because he should have been. Um, and using the term specifically aware because you're insulated by 5,000 people um, isn't a, shouldn't be a get out of jail free card. However, you're right. The phrase specifically aware, again, get like use, trying to use it as a, an, avoidance uh, an avoidance technique is different from literally... I had no fucking idea this was going on. Yeah, there's one other thing I got to raise that's tangentially, tangentially related to this is that the CSO, Alex Stamos, resigned from Facebook about two or three weeks ago in the midst of all of these Russian allegations. Uh, and what's the deal with that? Recluse himself. Is he responsible for, did, did he know something that was going on? Did he raise something to Zuckerberg and say, hey, we need to do something about this. We've got troll farms and uh, we've got to shut us down and didn't get traction. And I, Yes, you know. so I, I don't know that he actually, but the news came out that, you know, he was basically leaving the company and ultimately leaving just kind of some roles changed. But the news that did come out uh, kind of said that he was asking uh, his bosses uh, basically elevate his reporting path. Instead of going to his bosses and his bosses would report to Zuckerberg, he wanted to report directly to Zuckerberg. And they said no and then split up his team. So, you know, you kind of have to read what you can from that. A lot of people kind of pointed out how that uh, insulation gives Zuckerberg deniability and... Stamos is the type of guy who would uh, point out obvious problems that probably don't want Zuckerberg uh, having to say he knew about. So exactly what you're talking about. That definitely seems to be part of the situation there. Yeah, I agree. That's interesting and kind of spooky. We need to look into that. Yes. I think another thing as well is that uh, this wasn't brought up 
uh, directly at the time of, of the of once this all started. This is it's been going on for some time now, and Stamos didn't resign until recently. Zuckerberg hasn't been questioned until recently. I mean, it obviously takes time to do some sort of like I guess legal incident response. I don't know if that has a different name. Um, but yeah, like so at what at the time, like why did we wait until Stamos left before all this started happening? Uh, attention was brought to the matter. Well, it was all right, but I mean, it was kind of known like during the right back from the the shadow brokers did a dump. Um, you know, there was mention of it there. There was, you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, news articles that was, that was going around prior to this, you know. Well, more attention was brought to it. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like getting out while you're ahead. I mean, it, I feel like it's almost like rats abandoning a ship at a certain point. Right. We've taken on too much water. Although, in this case, the water kind of is sticky. sticks to them. Did you all see the um, the data abuse bounty that Facebook put out? Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's like basically like a it's almost like a bug bounty, but it's there. I'll post this in the stream chat here. Um, yeah, they're basically they're trying to monetize the ability to report applications and other people who are using the platform to you know do things similar to Cambridge Analytica. Um, I think it's it's interesting, but at the same time, it's like kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a weird snitchy kind of thing. But at, I mean, at the same time though, it, it is up to people like us or people who are developers of applications to be able to actually spot that kind of thing. Because I mean, we might see like really elaborate scams, whether it be like phishing or whether it be some sort of sketchy data mining or or, you know, psychometric stuff going on, you know, there's very few people that can spot that while it's happening, and it only makes sense until it's too late. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Well, were you guys aware of the uh, the friend stack thing, uh, the friend stack iframe um, API used by Facebook, uh, made available by Facebook? No. What is that? Okay, so... So Friendstack is quite interesting. Um, it's been removed from their API documentation for a long time. However, I would not be surprised if it still works. Um, and basically, it's the thing that says on a page that you visit, how like which of your friends like it. And it shows all your little friends' pictures, their profile pictures. And um, what was interesting about it is that it actually was an iframe and the page that you like is not the page you're on. It's provided as a URL parameter. So you could, uh, for example, have your page that you want people to like, or you want people to trust um, and say, Hey, all of your friends have already clicked like on this page. They already trust it by creating an iframe who, whose uh, get parameter was actually the ID for Facebook themselves. So any of your friends who had clicked like on Facebook um, would appear in this 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 friend stack, and so it would you know um, give a false impression that, uh, that 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 your friends like it um, when in fact they just like Facebook. And that was that was used in a lot of uh, sort of phishing, spamming type deals. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of Facebook 
that can definitely be abused in that manner. You know, with people, people are, are now accustomed to seeing very specific sets of, of data and sets like visual cues to tell you where to go, which is why like there's so many just very blatant Facebook phishing sites, I think, because so many people are familiar to having, I mean, even sites that aren't phishing sites that are just like sketchy in general, will put like that Facebook top bar, um, the blue bar on top and like, you know, put a fake notification on there, depending on your, you know, device type to make it look like you're logged into Facebook while doing it. And so it just, it seems really, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of different things that Facebook could do to clean things up, but it's, it's difficult to make exact suggestions because there's just, I don't know, a lot of it just seems really extreme. Yeah, there's also uh, the, the classic put the like button on the page. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to mention as well, like uh, there was a lot, there was a, a time where uh, click jacking like a, a five by five invisible div tracking your mouse was the like button. Um, Facebook combated that by uh, making it so that uh, if it wasn't visible in cases, you'd see it, you'd actually get a confirmation. Um, so you'd click it the first time, you click like, and then you would have to click confirm, um, which didn't work in that, that five by five. But yeah, there, there's lots of different things that, that Facebook have implemented um, to try and gain reach. And they've definitely been um, abused by, by uh, spammers and whatnot. And I think, you know, reporting it is going to be quite funny because the, that, that queue is going to be massive, right? Yeah. Like, has anyone here done, like, uh, been on the, the receiving end of, like, bug bounties or, or security reports or anything like that? I personally have not. Triage? Well, no, just, just the incoming reports, not, not specifically triaging the bugs or anything. Uh, I've patched uh, the servers before, yes. <laughs> I have done the patching. Uh, so, like, uh, one of my previous employers was a, 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 a operating uh, a distribution of an operating system, and uh, we would receive. So, for example, one guy literally grepped for uh, uses of AES in a very large code base, and just um, put every single one of them as a ticket as as a as a CBC padding attack. Um, and all that was, was then my job was now, okay, go through and verify these and each and every one of them was bullshit. So, I mean, when it comes to reporting things to someone like as big as Facebook, um, that's simply just going to be a huge list of <laughs> wrong, 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 next closed, wrong, next closed. And, and, and the real problem with that is you've got the guy who's all the people, the team that are, that are going through that report list. And they're so used to getting false reports that it might be easy for a, a legitimate report to slip through. Yeah, there could be a scammer or a spammer. Like Panera Bread. Yeah. Oh, you know, you, they, it could just contain a straight up client side and now they've got access to the security team. But who knows, you know? Uh, yeah, I think false positives are a problem. But, um, I mean, it just comes down to what sort of uh, internal um, systems they have in place for dealing with all of this. I imagine it's probably a team of people, right? 
They said he yeah, was the, uh, several thousand new people. Sorry, MG. No, no, no worries. Um, you know, I've been talking to various companies about that exact uh, topic. And, you know, when you open it up to the world, you get some crazy stuff. And it goes beyond just um, uneducated reports. You get, like, customer service and, like, hey, I got credit card charged an extra dollar. That must be fraud. So I'm going to report it through your security process. Um, Yes, definitely a problem, and uh, places like HackerOne seem to be offering like outsourced triage that will filter a lot of that crap and then escalate it up to you to hopefully um, alleviate some of that. The obvious uh, negative there is that it's urgent and it's a legitimate critical issue. Uh, it's going to take a little bit longer to get to you. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think, you know, HackerOne, um, bug, uh, bug Crowd, um, and, and those are, and other bug bounty type scenarios as well uh, are quite appealing to the, the lower skilled hackers um, or maybe less uh, hackers who have less opportunity to get employed. Um, and I think that feeds into it as well where, you know, they're, they're submitting more bugs. And then on the flip side of that, you've got uh, systems who are accepting these type of bug bounty scenarios as their silver bullet for security. They're, uh, yeah. they're cutting back on pen testing. They're cutting back on application security developer training because they believe that a, a bug bounty will get them the correct solution. Yes, definitely. And actually, what do you, what do you think about, um, in some places anyway, there's a bit of a trend to kind of assume vuln reporting and bug bounty are basically from their perspective the same thing no they're not there's a decent amount of overlap but they combine them together and make the the entire pathway unified so that you know, if you're a researcher you have to then go through their hacker one program just to report something that may or may not even be in scope right yeah and definitely like you might also find that um uh, the, the a lot of the bug bounty stuff that's being reported is uh, exploitation, whereas um, you know a researcher might show you a bug chain that uh, the three the first three bugs are no, uh, you know nothings uh, re reflected XSS on a on a static web page or something like that, but the bug chain all in all ends up with you know remote code execution through an SSRF on like a backend server and then now you have the IAM key and you have the whole yeah. Amazon account. No, that's yeah, a really like, good point actually. Like, you know, that's a totally different scenario to like something that will come through, you know, like uh, what, what are you identifying and who, you know, how severe is it and who's it coming from? There's a lot of things. I mean, I think if you have a GPG signed mail, uh, you might have a problem. Escalating the issues is probably a, a task that many organizations do uh, have a really tough time with. I'm glad to see certain things like HackerOne, but um, at the same time, do you feel as though some of the bounties being put out by these bug bounties are reasonable? Uh, oh. I can say from experience that I submitted uh, 23 or something bugs to a network vendor. They told me they were all duplicates or bullshit or whatever. Um, I asked if I could do it to talk about them at a conference, did the talk, and then they shit their pants because they were legitimate. 
Oh, um, man. So, yeah. It took that, two years to solve, but it, they solved it. The oh. uh, I've, I've noticed a trend of, hey, this... Uh, it should just be a standard at that point that you link the reporter to the duplicate without even requesting it. Yeah, that, yeah, they. I got a couple of duplicates sometimes. And I never linked them. But what my thing with Bug Crowd is, is that Bug Crowd manages all of those bug bounties for those companies. Those companies, you know, like I had an incident um, a few weeks ago where I found an open redirect in a specific company that happened to deal with millions and millions of America's like credit reports and shit like that. So, um, and with this open redirect, uh, me and you actually found a way through um, Google link shortening because the open redirect was whitelisted. Only like top sites like Twitter and Google and like I think Facebook were actually able to be redirected to. But me and you found a way to use Google's link shortening service to bypass that whitelisting and we could direct that open redirect to our own server or wherever where we could have done like you know a cross-site scripting or any type of like phishing attack and well and when i reported this and since in their bug bounty um shit they said that they don't want to accept open redirects they just instantly denied it and said that they weren't going to accept it and it would be a won't fix even though that company never actually saw the report and may have originally put that they wouldn't accept open redirects because they had it whitelisted. So I found a way to bypass the whitelist and yet that company's not ever even going to see that because bug crowd manages it. I don't know if any of that made sense. I can re-explain if I need to. Well, that makes That's pretty sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big problem with a lot of that sort of thing now, because I mean, a lot of companies that I've seen with the different, I, I mean, I haven't done, I haven't submitted any bugs to any bug bounties before, but I have submitted bugs and I keep finding that a lot more companies are redirecting to something like that, like some sort of like outsourced way of managing those reports. Because as we said, it is a lot of work to triage those kind of things to say, okay, is this real? What is this doing? But then you miss a lot of important stuff like that, you know, because there's, you know, people just don't always think of those kind of things. They might think, oh, whitelisting, oh, like, some sort of string filtering, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's always going to be some person who's going to they figure They can bypass it. To bypass it. That's like, you know, because, I mean, there's how many people on the internet and, how, and a lot of people who want to do this for money, too. Um, and so it just seems like it's definitely a great thing. I think it's awesome that they have a lot more companies are embracing bug bounties, paying researchers, and, um, you know, actually, like, recognizing researchers who contribute to the safety of their products. But at the same time, because of the massive volume of these companies now, it's probably going to become much more difficult over time to actually get to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about to listen to you. True. Oh, and interestingly, you um, Google shut down their link shortening service a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Yes, they did. I thought that was an April Fool's. Really? Oh, was it an April Fool's? I, it might have been an April Fool's. I just I read like an article title on Twitter or something. I didn't actually read it. I I don't think they did. Maybe they did. No, I'm gonna have to check that. Nope, they got it. Oh wait, no, no, no. Yeah. 
So starting starting on March 30th, um, they will be turning down support for Google Shortener. And from April 13th, 2018, only existing users will be able to create short links from Google. Oh, okay. So it's not fully shut down. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, so make your payloads now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's interesting. So they're trying to mitigate all this kind of stuff too. Because there's a lot of, I mean, link shorteners especially, with a lot of things like the Facebook ones and, and t.co and things like that, you know, people just will click on them because they're going through Twitter. You know, they think they are. They're familiar with those kinds of links. And so it just could be used to do things like that. Just on a side note of, uh, of link shorteners. So there's uh, one that springs to mind being um, AdFly which is it'll give you a five second gate where it, uh, it shows you a, a advertisement in order to monetize the link shortening. Um, I think, has anyone seen one that uses CoinHive yet? So no. sort of, yeah, I I'm think sure that's it's good. out there. Yeah, that's, that's I would say that will be the next wave of, uh, of dodgy link shorteners is going to be crypto mining for however long it takes, similar to CoinHive's uh, quote capture. You know what is interesting too? The other day I remember um, I did something. I was testing out something and Google had shut down one of my shortened links because um, I used it in testing an open redirect. And it, it had just said that it was banned. And I'm looking at my analytics right now for all my different shortened links and I realize it's not there. So it's interesting to what? see like they're, I don't even know why. Was it that one that we were working on? No, that one's still there. I see that one. But it's a different one that I had linked that had done a bunch of different redirects afterwards. And so I think that it might have just triggered something within um, the way that they you know, process links before they actually put them out there. So, yeah. But then that's it's also cool too because you know they're they're trying to mitigate a lot of this sort of spam that happens through um, you know link shorteners, but that also goes into responsibility. That's them taking a proactive approach to you know mitigate a lot of things like that that are being used in for nefarious reasons. And I don't really mind because it's free. So yeah, there's some other. Uh, I mean, there's. Euro shortness is not the only thing. I mean, I've used, uh, what is it? It's like called uh, raw sushi or something. And it's basically like you, you put a gist up on um, on GitHub and then uh, you use this service that will add the correct headers for the file type so that you can serve it from raw.github um, like directly into your target. Yep. Um, so, I mean, URL shortness are a thing, but there's always other ways. I, I guess the biggest uh, the or the best use, I've, I think, with, with URL shortness is to fit your payload into a really small um, character space. Yes. I mean, that's, a, yeah. But otherwise, you know, you could have mylongstupiddomain.com slash whatever is your only shortener. Um, whether or not it's whitelisted, <laughs> different story. <laughs> so yeah, is anybody now that we're um, four minutes left till the end here? Does anybody have any final thoughts about 
the whole topic of responsibility for data platforms getting too big. You are responsible. You should always be mindful of the content that you put out there, plain and simple. That's my advice. If you don't want to be abused or raped, data raped, then throw a bunch of bullshit out there or keep keep your private life private. I think on responsibility in general, I think if you want to run a service such as, uh, like, say you run an image board similar to 4chan or something like that, I feel like you should be mindful that you're responsible for the content that you're hosting. Um, if it's your server and it, it has some stuff on there that it shouldn't be, then, um, you know, if you want to run one of those services, be prepared to take the, you know, to take the responsibility. Yeah, I think until we move to a decentralized blockchain alternative, uh, they used to shut down BitTorrent trackers, right? So we created like magnet distributed hash tables. No central point could be taken down. The piracy continues unabated. Um, that's that's the model for the future. And a lot of these uh, a lot of these social media companies, uh, I think, are not going to be around in like five, ten years. Not in their current form. Be out like MySpace. Social media as a concept is relatively new anyway. That's very true. Well, thanks everybody for coming in and listening. Um, next week we're going to have a special guest interview who we're going to pre record with um, Joseph Cox from Motherboard. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Um, tech literacy in the media and how the media actually reports on all these things and what we can do to sort of bring up the whole sphere of discourse um, when we're talking about everything from privacy, security, to just general sort of tech things. Um, so if anybody does have any questions for him, for our interview, um, please tweet them at us. We're going to do it on Friday. So if you tweet them at, uh, at Doug Crowd we'll be able to answer them um, in our interview. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening here. And also a big shout out to uh, Broke Chic for our beautiful new theme song and closer. And if anybody has any final words? Thanks, Thug Crowd. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, get a lawyer. Thuggy, stop snatching. Stay thugged out. All right, thanks guys. Woohoo! Now's the good time. Now we can all talk. Horse cock! <laughs>